everybody. You are in the Hacker Valley studio with yes, your hosts, sir. Ron and Chris. Welcome back to the show. Glad to be back again here at RSA with a very special guest, Deidre Diamond, founder and CEO of CyberSN and also SecureDiversity.org. SecureDiversity.org. Great. Welcome Glad to, to have show. you. Yeah. Well, I feel like this has been a long time in the making. I feel like we've had separate conversations like me and you and you and Ron, but finally to have everybody together is awesome. Totally. Total pleasure. Psyched to be here. So how did we get here in the first place? Tell us a little bit about your background and kind of uh, what got you involved in cybersecurity in the space. Yeah, totally. I'm a very lucky individual when I graduated with a criminal justice sociology degree. I decided I didn't want to be a criminal attorney, answered a little ad, ended up working, that said, can you think on your feet? Ended up working for two serial entrepreneurs for 21 years. Wow. Uh, one of those companies was Rapid7. So I was Rapid7's first vice president of sales to 50 mm. million of recurring revenue. Wow. And, uh, and that's what took me into cyber. And it really has fed my criminal justice sociology drive <laughs> of investigation and why people do what they do and all those things and so that's why I built CyberSN is really wanted to stay in that community. Yeah, yeah. So I, I wanted to ask you, you know, you sort of focus on something that's really important in, in the space and right before the podcast we were talking about something that I think you're going to be talking about this week or you already have uh, is emotional intelligence. Why is that so important to you today? Yeah, it's super important to me because, so I spent 13 years doing technical recruiting before I took my model and built sales at Rapid7, but I also built very powerful companies. And we built those companies very powerfully with emo high emotional intelligence, and there's a real skill to emotional intelligence. And so when I founded CyberSN, I was later in life, my early 40s, I'm 48 today, it's been five and a half years or so, and I started to see the marketplace in a way that was really disturbing, in which was how much people are breaking up, how often people are changing jobs. The, the chief information security officer is changing roles every 18 months. Yep, right. And how the, how the people that I love and adored, the hackers that I sold to at Rapid7 selling, you know, Nexpos or Metasploit, you know, when we got Metasploit yep. Pro, Pro and what have you. And I love those people. Like, I, they're super my homies. I mean, I may look very California, like, <laughs> you know, but I really connect with that social service, want to do good, want to help, want to protect, want to fight, you right. know, for what's right. And so anyhow, when I saw all of that, I was like, oh, my God. This community, and really it's turned out everybody, this community could really benefit from the things that I've learned in building my companies with the people that I've been building companies with for the right. last 28 years. And uh, so that's what got me out speaking about this. Mm. And RSA uh, is early adopter, started putting me on stage five years ago. And now it's become a day of talks, and certainly I got to close yesterday some really lovely talks, and it's nice to see the communities taking it seriously. The challenge is it isn't as easy as just talking about it. Right, right. It's, it's, just, it's a skill just like hard skills. It must be practiced and fostered and supported in the effort of, and then it takes time. And so now that we've got the conversation going, I, you know, we're going to be moving into the real, what is, what are the skills that emotional intelligence brings to business? Right. How do you motivate people to want to improve their soft skills and their emotional intelligence? Yeah. Well, I think it's, you know, a couple of things. One is the side of just happiness. Like don't, you know, being happy requires people to have high emotional intelligence in, in teamwork. Meaning, mm -hmm. do you want your teams to be happy? Do you want your employees to be happy? 
If you want them to be happy, then you need to invest in emotional intelligence training. We could call it soft skills, which has been called in the past. Usually technologists poo-poo that term. Right. They don't like that term. <laughs> I found, so I've embraced emotional intelligence because it's almost like telling the smart people, are you really sure you're that smart? Like there's this whole other side, like make, make you listen a little bit more because right. we know how intelligent you all are. At least that's how I'm using this now to listen because you're right. People kind of like well, soft skills, who needs that? But I think soft skills identifies it better than emotional intelligence in some way because you can have someone that's extremely intelligent like IQ wise, but they don't apply it. And so there, there's a missed opportunity there. So I, I, I'm okay with soft skills in addition to emotional intelligence because I think they kind of go hand in hand. But I, I'm kind of disheartened that people are like, soft skills, get out of here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I know lots of cyber professionals that didn't even want to go to sociology class. Right. Thought it was a joke. Like, I'm not going to that class. They tell me that because now they're in the conversation of, I need those skills. Yeah. My career's not advancing or I want to advance my career uh, conversations. I mean, there is more money in having hard skills and soft skills. Mm -hmm. If you choose just one, you will eventually cap. In today's society, we've become a service industry, which means it's all about teamwork and how we support each other. And that's, a, that's very emotional because if I have to rely on somebody else or lots of somebody else's, that's you know putting a lot in other people's hands, right? And so that's where politics and pointing fingers and who gets the, you know. So it's a very difficult thing to do and yet we have no choice. We've moved into the era. And so I, it's really hard for me to watch. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I really represent such a small, um, 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 you know, portion of society that got to work with people for so long in right. such a great capacity and growing each other so that we can grow companies was the model I walked into out of college. And so it's like, how, it, wh wh where did that get lost every, you know, out in the world? Right. It still makes money. These are companies, Rapid7 went public. The staffing firm's a $300 million firm that we built, you know, still today. Like, it, it's, it, it's not a money thing anymore. Mm -hmm. Actually, the interesting thing is now money is being associated with high EQ, you know, meaning right. the stock market has tied into emotional intelligence, meaning if you can't retain your people, you're not going to make as much money. Like, we now get that. It's a fight for talent. And so... It's starting to be seen as a financial reason to be kind to people right. <laughs> <laughs> or mentor or train or I'm what nice have you. I'm nice to you because it's good for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's win-win. <laughs> Sometimes when I see like the workshops and whatnot come to the office place and try to teach these soft skills or boost your, your EQ, there's often times where I notice a lack of application. Like, so much time goes by after this workshop or after this opportunity or after the inspiration comes. What are your thoughts on applying those skills that you learn to your job or to your life? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Like, we, unless we have ways to implement actual solutions, then it's just talking. And I see that, too. I've never worked for any other organization other than the ones that we've created. <laughs> so I've never got to experience it, but I've heard it from people. I can tell you what we do is, you know, a combination of really understanding, like, let's say a Myers-Briggs concept of right. how we all you know, best communicate. There's four models and it really is the right thing. And, you know, sort of situational leadership is another thing that I really strongly believe in, another program, which is 
you know, managing people based on tasks and projects versus as a person, you know, in terms of how you interact with them, you know, in how much time you give them as their manager, not time, what have you. Very important. And then there's the win-win communication, lean language, making and managing agreements. That's sort of the operations, like in the day, while we're all working, this is those three things or what the hell's going on. Right. Yeah. You know, we're making agreements, we're either making them or not making them and how we handle that super means whether we're successful or not successful. Our language either turns people on or turns people off. That's verbal. That's written. So, you know, that chaos, if you will, I call it manage chaos. I say I manage chaos. That's my job as a CEO yeah. is to really manage chaos such that there's a high level of activity and interaction and what have you, but it's super positive so people can be productive. And that just means roles and responsibilities clearly defined, you know, yep. tasks and projects clearly defined, high EQ in terms of like win-win communication, and then like real lean language to the point, get shit done, like nope, let's not hear ourselves say shit over four times in right. a meeting. And that kind of training has to be implemented. I never run a company without being able to, you know, do that. And we always talk about it. What's an example of a win-win kind of yeah. conversation? What does that sound like? So let's take it into the security win-win conversation. If I'm a security practitioner and I'm, let's say, I'm looking to get budget for coming to RSA. Right. Let's do that. Right? I'm going to go talk to my whoever to get that done. Right. I need to make sure that before I go into that conversation, what's the win for them? Yes. I need to understand what's the win for them. That person who also represents the company. So I want to make a win for that boss. I want to make a win for the company. So I need to prepare that conversation of here's why I want to do this. So at this point, you've probably just struck a chord with someone that's listening. Like, all right, how do I, what's a win for my boss when it yeah. comes to going to a conference? What are some things that you guys could think of? Yeah. So I'm going to get free training. Or not free. Excuse me. <laughs> it feels free to them. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Shit. I started with what I'm going to get. <laughs> I'm going to get. <laughs> that's so awesome. <laughs> oh, God. That's funny. I'm, uh, I'm going to get training. I'm going to... Look at the um, schedule. Who's speaking? What are they teaching? What what can you say would be great to get that sort of training? Now they're going to say you could get that recorded. You could if they do, we can talk about that in a minute. Yep. Um, networking. Yeah. Huge, huge, huge. You know, who? What do we all do? We call people we know when we've got a complex problem. It saves time. Right. People that are in the industry, your peers, are so important to your knowledge base. Mm -hmm. And then to be able to do business with people you could possibly trust because you've you know, met them, spent time with them, it's just easier, right? Mm -hmm. You can get to a lot of vendors at one time Absolutely. and really see what's going on yep. in, in one session. And then depending on the conference, there's lots of other things. I mean, some conferences are very specialized mm -hmm. in even diversity topics right. and how important that is. If, you, if, if the company really supports diversity, well, then you ought to be able to go to cyber diversity events too, right? right? It, it's like, something near and dear to your which heart recruiting. Which I put on all the time and so do others. And so really that's the conversation. Now, if anybody says, well, if I, you know, if I train you, you're going to leave. 
I love the response of, and I want to give this to everybody. I yep. love the response of, you should be scared if you don't train me and I stay. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? Absolutely. If anybody's poo-pooing the training part. Mm -hmm. I mean, what could anybody say back about that? Right. And it, that's one thing that I think is great is you have leaders that think people first. The people that are like, hey, go out and train, become a weapon, become – you know, the best that you can possibly be. I think that's a people first mindset. Some people get into a process first. Some people get into company first. But I think when you when you get to that stage where you're like, you know, I'm thinking about the company and if what you're doing is not in the best interest of the company, then you, you can't do it. I think that's where you start to limit people yeah. and, then it, and it, they don't blossom. Yeah, and it not being in the interest of the company has no legs in any circumstance. Humans are designed, our brains are super designed to die, like they die if they don't keep learning. Right. Or they, or, or they get mentally ill or, or sick, literally. Right. Yeah. So like what benefit is it to not grow your teams and you know, the people in the I hate the word employee so I struggle with what the hell to use <laughs> but you know your teammate is what we use and some people don't uh, whatever so you know I, I just see no excuse for it and it's actually the number one reason that 80, 89% of cyber professionals would take a call from a recruiter if they thought it wouldn't waste their time 89% that is it's a awful. huge number it's a vulnerability yeah in, in itself right I mean if our that's why I said, I, when I arrived yesterday, it's so great that we're finally talking about the people that are protecting us. Like, who's going to protect them from these cultures that they're forced to work in? Right. You know? And, and truly, it isn't just cyber. It is all over the planet, you know, cultures that are not fostering development of humans. But we, in the manufacturing era, that's all that people did, is invest in corporate workforce training. And somehow, in the tech era... It's gone out the window. The only thing I can think of is that we went to other countries to train and we put all our resources over there. Mm -hmm. It's the only thing I can think of in terms of training and why we got such a gap here. And also, do you think it was kind of a check in the box situation so that companies weren't actually like putting the, the effort into training? They're, they weren't putting thought or love into training. And so that you have your annual training that you like try to fast forward through the, the video just so you can get it done because you want to check that box. Do you think if people put more thought into their training that we would be better off today? Yeah, yeah, I've heard of that. Again, not having to work in those cultures. I have heard about, well, who cares if there's training if it's not good training. Right. But at least minimally I'm talking about the training, the hard skill, soft skill training for the individual and maybe not the big corporate training of a career, but just right now, what does the person need to be successful yeah. in their own job? Right. And, and then that, but yeah, definitely. More thought in general. Yeah. Like we so just, I call it, we put on the wings and then, or, or jump off the cliff and then put on the wings as right. a society. Like that's capitalism, you know? I was trained to do that. I was mm. told that's my job. Just go, make shit happen, put the wings on after you jump. That is our society. And so where's time for thought? Right. Are you a foodie? Uh, yeah. So one thing that I think about a lot is when you taste something that's like amazing, you can taste like passion and yeah. thought into what they put into that dish. It's like, wow, this is just so complex and amazing. 
but you can taste when it's not there either. Oh, for sure. That's why I kind of hesitated. It's so hard to find good food. What is a foodie anymore? <laughs> so, you know, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So from your perspective, you probably hear like the more interesting things that the corporation doesn't get to hear about. Someone being unhappy with the culture and the environment of the company. How does the emotional intelligence kind of relate to seeing people jump after the 18 to 24 months? That's such a great question. In fact, my title of my talk yesterday at RSA was uh, Talent Exfiltration, an Insider's Guide to the <laughs> Talent Attack Life Cycle. Oh, wow. Right? Super cool. And, uh, and so my overall message was, you know, look, I'm going to tell you why your people are leaving and what they're, why they're responding to our pitches, but the reality is it's because your emotional intelligence isn't in play. Like, you're not thinking about your people. You're not thinking about how they think, how they feel how they're perceiving things you're as a manager you're not doing that or 89% of the market wouldn't be open to these conversations so um, that being said it's really truly I mean we uh, if you're a great recruiter and again this is the definition and we all know there's more bad recruiters than there are great recruiters just like attorneys like you know when you find right so but the reality is if you're a great recruiter you are you are paying attention to the marketplace right so I literally walked through all the things we do to have our ear on the street. If I if I if we hear rumors about things, we're gonna we're gonna go investigate that, and most likely meaning a layoff, right? Yep. Who is there's low hanging fruit, but you know there's there's you can look at somebody's profile. When was the last time they were promoted? How long have they had the same title? Right. You know, chances are that's somebody that's gonna want to talk to me and talk to us definitely what's, <laughs> so, the, what's the number one ability or characteristic that you look for in a recruiter in a recruiter yeah is really caring about humans yeah like they really have to like people yeah you know i mean i, I was a social criminal justice major answered that little you know can you think on your feet and next thing i knew i was a recruiter and i didn't even know what that was at the time by any means and what I've learned over time is that I'm somebody that can solve big problems. And it happens to be, you know, uh, talent, you know, hiring problems. That's a big problem. And the actual process of getting people together is very sophisticated. You know, one person could say something in an interview that could screw up the whole, the whole thing. And mm, it's really right. not a thing that should screw it up. And right. it's not good for anybody that that one thing could have screwed it up. And so having somebody there to, that is high emotional intelligence, high intelligence too, which you need mm -hmm. both as a recruiter to really, you know, know when you're, you know, yeah, that, if that happened in the interview, then I'd say it's not a good fit versus, you know what, that person didn't answer that question because they're not interviewing for a job that has anything to do with that. What the hell does it matter mm -hmm. that you asked them that question and they couldn't answer it? You know, like a good recruiter stands up for these ridiculous interviewing mm -hmm. questions, styles, right? Right. And that's what we do. Yeah, it's almost like uh, who won the World Series in 1912? Yeah, like, oh, like, I don't know. Like, you're off. Yeah. Yeah. Someone I said mean, no, so that means yes. Yeah. Seriously, and it's usually not the hiring manager. You're talking, I'm th like after the hiring manager has been like, this is somebody I'm interested, and then they start interviewing with other people, and all these questions coming to this person that make no sense turns them off. You know, all that kind of stuff where it's like the deal would be dead mm -hmm. if not for us to help everybody work through how to, you know, say you're sorry. 
mm-hmm. you know, and please give us another chance. Mm-hmm. And that is like a constant kind really? of thing that we're doing as a recruiter. Wow. Yes, the coaching, the the you know, why would the person want to take your offer? When, I, when, when we know these types of things, like you're not even covering why they're leaving their job. Who cares you made them an offer? Right. Don't make them an offer. We're not even there yet. No. Mm-hmm. You know, like those types of things. It's, a, it's fascinating that, we're, that, that, that companies still today just have such poor practices of interviewing people. It's it's like the wild wild west. You it's never awful. you never know what you're gonna get. You might have yeah. one experience, and then especially at the bigger companies where you have these rounds of interviews, it's like five people in one day. It's it's a lot, and completely different personalities, which could be a good thing. But sometimes these personalities are the same. So I know like you do a lot of things, and with diversity, have you found like people jumping ship because they feel like they're the odd man out? Everyone is kind of the same, and there's not enough culture and difference in the companies? Yeah, for sure. I mean, if CISOs, first of all, if CISOs are moving jobs every 18 months, it doesn't matter what gender or what color right. of our skin, we got a, you know, we got a problem. Nobody's liking working in these places, right? right? Yeah. And so uh, you put a minority into that, you, you know, what I call shit show, then they're going to have it even worse. Right. So, yes, we're seeing women certainly leave the more technical roles as cyber has advanced in legal jobs, compliance jobs, risks jobs, that you find less of that male technical, you know, ego. They're definitely going over there, tired of having to prove themselves. Right. For sure. For sure. What are some strategies or things that you can think of maybe they're not necessarily one-to-one of the solution but what are some things that come to mind for how to come back because like for me hiring like I've had so few women especially women of color apply for the team and mm. it's like oh man like why is that is it because I'm not interviewing if I'm, am I not having a woman of color interview these other these these candidates or is it something else what are what are your thoughts yeah so I would say this Okay, we have, in the United States, and everything I'm speaking about is in the United States, we have 800,000 cyber professionals and 500,000 jobs that aren't filled. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, if you're going to hire and you want a minority, you need to, you need to put special attention to that, mm-hmm. right? So, there are organizations, certainly like mine and others, who are out there cultivating that, and you can plug into that. Yep. Um, the, the other thing that we need to recognize is that we are searching for jobs system in the United States is a, is a failed system. So, you know, we have all these different job boards and people just cut and paste each other's BS jobs and they just, meaning BS because they've cut and pasted each other's stuff. So how could that really be your job? Yeah. Right. And then posting it because, and then leaving it there for God knows how long. Mm-hmm. Years. Because posting jobs has become free. Like 200 bucks, you know? In my day in print advertisement for jobs in the Sunday paper that went once, never to be printed again, five (laughs) grand in the 90s and early 2000s, that's like 15 grand now for one job posting for one day. Yeah. People took it seriously. Right. And so we've got a search problem. And we've got a match problem because cyber is super complex, new, changing, and all that. 
So I noticed this the minute I opened my firm five and a half years ago, and um, I said to myself, oh my God, because I had left staffing for 10 years and went to Rapid7 and, and one of our other software companies, I was CEO after that. And so I'd sort of left staffing for 10 years and that digital era took over and I came back and started CyberSN to service my friends that I missed so much. And oh my God, did I get hit in the face with this cost of sale of super hard to find people even for us and worse at matching them was for me mm -hmm. worse i could find them more than anybody else because of my days at rapid seven and certainly our my skill and my teammates skills as, as recruiters but like matching them was so hard an engineer could be 15 different types of profiles with all the same resumes Mm -hmm, and, yeah. they're, and they're literally 15 different types of workers. Mm -hmm. And analysts, same things. And oh my God, I was like, shit, I can't make money. I'm not going to be able to do this. I have, to, I have to solve this problem. And what I needed was a way to figure out what these jobs really were and a way to interview somebody and really understand what they have been doing. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I built a technology with some cyber professionals that are my cyber team. Uh, they've been with me for four years now, which is a taxonomy of common language of tasks and projects, right? Associated to, you know, all types of titles in cyber only. And so you can create, I can create a job description with my clients right. that we can all really truly say, okay, 30% of the time is application penetration testing, right. not freaking pen testing. Right. Doesn't, you know what I mean? Yep. And then 20, right? And Sometimes it's 10, 10, 10. Sometimes it's 30% this, that, 100% this. It's like, what is this damn job? And then the same thing with interviewing professionals. I needed to be able to have recruiters be able to have that conversation. And so we've been using the technology for three years. It's why I've been able to become the largest cyber staffing firm is because we can speak the language. We can really help everybody, like, get the noise of matching out of the way so we can be just in interviews and actually – because. Again, 89% wants to be in interviews for a better place. Mm -hmm. All I have to do is make sure I'm weeding out not better places. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so that platform, we actually turned into a SaaS international job platform and launched it at Black Hat last year. And it's onboarding lots, 47 professionals a week on average. Wow, and very um, nice. I'm going to nice. change the game. This is a broken system. It's causing a lot of settling. You should be able to go and find, you know, at any one time the jobs that are in the marketplace, in the location that you require with whatever citizenship sponsorship you need or don't need, like literally in a mobile view right. of whether that job's good for you. Mm -hmm. You can do that now. Now we just got to get all industries over time. You know, mm -hmm. first we'll you know own it in cyber internationally, but all industries to do it that way because searching, going to like all these different platforms and aggregating all this yucky content, who cares? The content's poor. Right. What are we matching? It's crazy. Before we close the, sh the yeah. show, uh, Ron was talking about a memory that he had of you. And uh, Ron, I'd love to, to hear it. Yeah, so we, we kind of just t touched on it right now. And it's uh, kind of the difference between knowledge and skills gaps. So you were just talking about how your platform, and I actually checked it out uh, beforehand. And I, what I saw was, you know, you have questions about a domain. And then it kind of bubbles down into, well, what, what have you done within this domain? Like, what tools have you used? Have you used SIM? Have you used like an EDR tool to perform this task? It, it really provides the specifics. And for me, uh, that's been like one of the challenges that I've always had when making a pivot. Like maybe my 18 months is up, I'm upset, or it's been a little bit longer. But um, matching myself with someone that understands what skills that I want going forward and what skills that I have today. Maybe I have 
some skill a long time ago and I answer that question wrong now, now the date's off. So I thought it was like really inspiring to hear, hear about the platform, but also hear about the opportunities missed by not having such a thing and yes. also the relationships with the recruiters. So I, I actually changed my mindset quite a bit. Like, okay, a recruiter is kind of like a long lasting relationship. This person should be able to be in your network and link you up to whoever. I think LinkedIn has made that a bit harder because they have the automated messages. But now I'm, I'm actually more receptive to the tailored messages. Like, hey, I saw your profile. You don't have to like do anything, but uh, I at least want to start that, that conversation dialogue. Yeah. Yeah, you touched a couple of things that really mattered to me. And one is that, you know, opportunity, the word opportunity. And that's the problem when we're job searching, we can't really see opportunity. We're trying to figure out if even if it's something we should even talk to anybody about, mm -hmm, never mind right. see an opportunity. And so you can see opportunity because if you're like you're, the analogy you use, let's say that job description was 30% managing a sim doing X, Y, and Z types of alerts, and now you want to do, you know, you personally, the professional looking, want to get into more incident response, you're doing a little bit of incident response, maybe 20%, and this job is 40 or 50, like you can see like, oh shit, that's the job, because it's 40 to 50 in incident response, or maybe it's 80, Right. but I can do that, I, you know, so you know, because I'd like to think that employers would think of aptitude, but I'm not seeing that, so I want to empower the professional, the individual, all of us, I look at this as like, what if that was me. Like I happened to luck out. I started this conversation saying I was lucky and I am in that I met those two serial entrepreneurs and they had the culture and what they did right for me. And so when I think about how everybody else is constantly trying to find a new home, all it's like, you know, like that's not fun. That's not happiness to me. So I want to empower that that the individual all, in all can run their own job search. And that's what this platform right. is about. And so we will evolve and create and e do even more. Certainly, it, you, what you said is, is absolutely the truth. You can now apply for jobs and get in because of aptitude, because still there, we, we can show the employer how you match. To and the job, we do the match. Like my algorithm, it's not. It's my IP algorithm. One it's thing we're missing it. one critical yeah. element, and that you mentioned in the podcast I listened to you in recently. And it was when you when you miss that opportunity, the right opportunity for you, you also miss a lot of money. Yeah, you're leaving mm. a lot of money on the table. We know that the bay is exploding with opportunities in technology, but even kind of remote work is all totally. over the place, and that that leads to so much more conversations and kind of interesting thoughts like, all right, well, maybe I am ready to apply these skills, but I really want to work remote. Like, I don't necessarily want to be in the city or kind of going out of my way because I could be more effective or happier uh, in a different situation. Totally. And and I, I took all that into account. You can post jobs that are only remote. You can search jobs that are only remote. You can see that um, on every job posting, maybe two days are remote. So mm. not just, it doesn't matter just that the whole, it could just be two days and that make, is game changing for somebody's life. I mean, I really see us all as our lives change. You may eventually want to work six months because you're an SME and then travel for three months right. and then come back to work. I plan on the platform being able to support that mentality. Or how about want to go work in Italy? Your kid's gone, went to school or you don't have any and you want to <laughs> go work in Italy. And how do you do that unless you work for one of the big, massive firms? How does that even happen, you right. know? So opportunity is the ability to see all opportunities. And this is the 
problem. And in an era of, you know, sort of technology matching and what we're all doing in so many other ways of solving problems, we have to do it for jobs. Like, I enliken what we have to do for jobs is what the dating platforms have done for divorce rates, or better way to look at it is people staying together in mm -hmm. relationships. You know, the divorce rate was in the high 60s until the dating apps came along. Mm. Now it's dropped below 50 and it's going even lower. Wow. And the That's reason, yeah, and the reason is, is you have options. Before those apps, what options did we have? Where I, I, you'd either meet somebody at work, which is taboo, is not supposed to happen, <laughs> or, or a bar, right? right? And what I don't even like to drink. And who the hell, I can't go to a bar. I'm working. I'm building monopolies of businesses, you know? <laughs> like, what the hell right. am I going to be at a bar doing? Yeah. So for me, and I know for a lot of people, what I realized is like, holy, that's why it works, is that there's so much selection. If I wanted to go tonight on a date with a doctor in San Francisco that looked a certain way, I could do that. Starting right now, wow. I could do five. That's a huge <laughs> right? point. Yeah. I mean, right? <laughs> yeah. But I can't do that for jobs. I can't go That's find huge. five jobs right now. One of you with your skills. It, it's ridiculous. You'd get like 50 that aren't even right in yep. seconds. Mm -hmm. But not in the dating. So so I've I, changed that change that we're going to continue to change that i have a wonderful team working on it too and there are a lot of cyber folks involved it's ridiculous we must that's Amazing. my passion yeah is to change that love it deidre thank you so much for taking the time to sit with us R sincerely thank you so much i think people are going to get a lot from this conversation i know i have what are some ways that people can stay in touch with you and the, the organizations that you you lead yeah, absolutely. So cybersn.com, you can find all my information <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> my CSO does not like it. It's the way it is. And uh, securediversity.org. And then my slides from this week, you can text uh, RSAC 2020-33777. Okay. And get my slides and talk from this week. And I'm, of course, all over LinkedIn. And Twitter is Deidre underscore Diamond. Fantastic. Thank yes. you so much. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And we'll see you next time. Thank you.